Welcome to Star Wars News. Wow, what a week in the galaxy. The Mandalorian dropped. So excited to break that down. And also, J.J. Abrams gives us some insight into the rise of Skywalker and McClunky. Star Wars News! Welcome to the ship! Clearly, we're pumped. Thank you, Disney Plus, for providing us uh, more excitement than ever for our galaxy. What's that? I was watching Empire Strikes Back on my phone because it's so readily available. He actually was before we started the show. You guys, welcome back to another week of Star Wars news. Such a great week to be talking this. So much, so many exciting things happening. Before we get into it, I'm Steph Sabra, aka Chewbacca's long lost daughter, aka Master Sabra. That one got added on our Mandalorian after show and after Buzz TV. And but I am not on the ship alone. I have my co-pilot, co-pilot Rilo Ren, Ryan Nelson in the building. So excited to be here, head of popcorn talk and co-host, co-pilot. Of the Mandalorian after show and the Star Wars news show. So excited. Episode two, biggest week maybe in Star Wars for the oh. past three or four years. Yes. Like this is huge. Massive. The first live action Star Wars show. I am so excited about it. And we keep talking about it. We are on the after, but our sister network, After Buzz TV, we do after shows and we break down the Mandalorian each week. So we'll be on Friday at noon. But this week in Star Wars news, like I said, we'll be talking about the Mandalorian and kind of give us get our insight on uh, chapter one, which was episode one. And then they also, the cast and producers and crew did a, mm. and directors did a live Q&A. Yeah, last uh, night. Last night. So that will be really exciting. That was at the... Is that the El Capitan Theater yeah, in Los Angeles? In Los Angeles. And then, uh, of course, the McClunky, the rare deleted <sighs> scenes on, thank you, on Disney+. And some Jedi Fallen Order news, which drops tomorrow. It's a video oh, game. Big time. Big time looks really exciting. We did a live uh, reaction to it. Yeah, we did a live reaction to the trailer that yeah. came out a month ago when we were in the early stages of development of this show, and it's done pretty well on our gaming channel. But and I am getting the game. It's pre-ordered. It's downloading tonight at midnight. I'm so excited to talk about well, that. I can't wait to hear how it is next week. Yes. And then we have some special segments. That's right. We got, of course, our <laughs> we got our words of wisdom at the end of the show. We close out each show with some some kind words to uh, to go into the rest of your week or your weekend. We also have a character corner where we break down an obscure character in Star Wars lore. Even an extra in this universe has a backstory. And our theory segment. There's a theory. There's a theory. There's a theory where we break down one of the more popular theories circulating circulating around the Star Wars universe. Awesome. Okay, let's jump into The Mandalorian. We obviously you can hear a more extensive breakdown on After Buzz, but I do want to give some of our listeners on this show what do you think of chapter one? That's right. I'm in the chat, by the way, y'all. So comment away. Uh, we got, let's see, we got Manny Gonzalez <laughs> saying, hey, Ryan, awesome. Hoping for a cool show today. Yeah, we are too. What, and do, we, what do you mean? Of course, of course there's going to be, be a cool, cool show. show. What? Come on, Manny. What do you think? We're lame? Man up, Manny. God. Also, Darth Baca. Baca. We have a Darth. In the chat. A Sam. Darth Baca. It sounds like a... A Chewbacca. A, yeah, a a dark Chewbacca. <laughs> that was not a chewy growl. That was a roll my R's growl. That was a purr. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Mandalorian dropped. 
And we were so excited. I actually got to see it at 11 p.m. on yeah, Monday night. Yeah, you called me. I did call you. I was like, Steph, it's up. <laughs> it's live. And just batten down. I think I've watched it three times since I've Monday I've watched night. it twice, but I'm going to watch it one more time before chapter two comes out. So let's give some like some brief overall thoughts. Okay, overall thoughts, epic. I thought we got way more action than I thought. I mean, it makes sense with a $100 million budget, I believe, they yeah. have for it. Yeah. But glad that they didn't disappoint. I thought that we got some great callbacks to our the beloved films, and we're also opening an entire new story and new character that we haven't seen before. And we, got a, we talked about this. They did show us some history of him which they don't often do in star wars movies and um different creations so i love 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 that i think that the cast is apt from what i can see who was in chapter one it's perfect the cast perf perf Perf. what about you rye well i was really satisfied with the uh with with chapter one and i think I was a little more forgiving just because it was the first episode. I think since it was the first episode, uh, you know, I'm just excited to get more Star Wars. I'm excited to get a a live action, new characters, new universe. So I I was in the bag for this one. I'm I'm interested to see the second episode because I think I'm going to be a little more critical. I'm going to have a little more critical eye, critical role in the second episode of The Mandalorian. But Dave Filoni, you know, he's been a part of the animated shows for forever. He got to do his first directing of a live action show. He actually in this Q and A, which we'll talk about later, he had some really awesome things to say about that experience. But yeah, it was I'm really satisfied. I'm all in. Can't wait to see where it goes from here. And it left off on a heck of a cliffhanger. Heck of a cliffhanger. And I refrained from saying what it was in the cold open. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I did give a little bit of a spoiler. I waited 24 hours. If you're not a ride or die Star Wars fan, then I feel like 24 hours was enough. You 24 know, hours. 24 hours. So, <laughs> uh, but that's a great point. I think I am going to look at it a little bit more critically in chapter two. All I, I just wanted to see. Yeah, like, what's going on? Yeah. He's going for bounties. Yeah. It's all a little bit backstory. I want to know what, what's what this guy's I'm going to sip my tea while. I watched chapter two and exactly. be a true critic. But let's get into that live QA. I thought it was an awesome QA. Sometimes they don't always go as well as you'd hope. Mm. And it gets kind of awkward if you watch some of these QAs. I thought this was great. And I thought we got a lot of insight that more than I thought we would have got from the beginning of it, including that we've been pronouncing Kara's name wrong. Yes, it's Kara. <laughs> it's it's Kara. It's Kara. But people think it's Kara. <laughs> yeah, right. She was pretty salty about that yeah. you haven't come on screen yet no one said this is it. gina carano's character gina carano. so yeah she she made that clear the first sentence she spoke in so. general it seems like there's not many caras but a lot of caras jeff graham not a big star wars fan in the booth but he's becoming one with I us am. on the show a Cara. i love a delavine and i love a grano but do you think <laughs> can you guys think of any caras that are famous Kara Satchel. No, she went to no, college. No, <laughs> I can't. That's a good question, Jeff. If you guys can think question. of a, a famous Kara, comment down below. <laughs> comment down below. I think Gina, what, what was funny was right before Gina spoke, uh, John Favreau said she's a little tired. She was wrestling or fighting aliens in a sewer two hours yeah, ago. Yeah, they were filming still that day. So right. So was that cool. for season two? Was that for this season? Reshoots? I don't know, but that, that was pretty neat. I would be really surprised if it was for season one for season one yeah that'd like be still crazy going, that'll be a little crazy uh but it's also i was like why'd you tell us that because that means 
She's alive. If it is season two, I don't know. Oh my god! We'll see. But but okay. but it was a cool Q and A. Yeah, like, give me some of your thought. What what was interesting to you? What was new information for you? Okay, so big, awesome, interesting stuff for me. I just alluded to it earlier. Dave Filoni, who directed episode one, I think he has one more episode later. He is George season. Lucas's Padawan. Uh, yeah, he's he was his star. He, he was basically his son. And I think some people on the panel even said they referred to Dave Filoni as George Lucas's son. In that. Yeah, and he got like t- emotional. He really when did. They panned him it was the cutest thing ever he said he even talked about his own dad saying man i wish my dad was here because he would be so proud of me and then he like kind of got choked up it was really quite special you can just tell how much someone like him cares about this type of stuff which is what's so great and that's what the major takeaway was from this q a john favreau kathleen kennedy put together a team of people that really do care about this stuff. Like they didn't just go for big names because there aren't huge names in this project. Werner Herzog's a big name, but not like a Leonardo DiCaprio. Great talent, like not massive pop culture icons. Exactly. And yet. that they cared yet. And they really care. And just all of them went across the, uh, they, they all said their first day on set, what their experience was like. Carl Weathers got in depth on a few things. And it was a really awesome Q&A. They all do care. That was my main takeaway was the development of how these characters and cast got brought together. Pedro Pascal spoke about how John Favreau brought him in and showed him all the pictures, which if you watch chapter one of The Mandalorian, the end credits with those amazing pictures wow. of the different characters that was actually the pictures that they showed potential cast members before they were getting um before they signed on to the project Concept so that's really cool so cool. really cool and just to see the the pure like innocence of pedro signing on to this not really knowing what it was but just knowing that it's star wars and that's all he needed to know and you could tell you it's like say less john i'm on i'm, I'm in i'm in i'm all in <laughs> So that was that was great. It was off the cuff. It was a fun Q&A, and they really alluded to some exciting stuff coming up later in the season. And uh, I know you're a direct, you do, you direct, I direct as well. So I thought it was really awesome when the director spoke and they were like, John, did you see the work I've done? I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I fit in with the Star Wars realm as much, but he just knew. And I, tr- I totally trust John Favreau in this space. I think that whatever he sees in these people, it's going to be perfect for the episodes that they're doing. Yes, and shout out to Deborah Chow, who didn't get to say much at the Q&A, but she was there, and she did get to say how she felt like she was in a space where she was working with other directors. She wasn't used to that in other projects she's worked on. It felt very much like she could operate in her own wheelhouse, but she was also talking to all these other directors who were doing other episodes in the season because they weren't really doing it back-to-back. And I'm so excited to see her episode. I know hers drops next Friday. And uh, just, you know, again, the first female and first Asian woman to ever direct anything Star Wars. It's so exciting, and she's such a talented director. I love all of her other work. Shout out my Asian American sister. So cool. She seems like such a badass. We're actually hoping to get her in the studio, hopefully. so. Our next topic on The Mandalorian is a spoiler. So if you haven't seen Chapter 1, just mute us for a little bit. Uh, This was an article written by comicbook.com, and Carl Weather spoke to them on Baby Yoda, which is what we see in the final scene of The Mandalorian. That's what I tweeted. That was a spoiler alert, because (laughs) when you show me that level of cuteness, you cannot expect for me to keep that in. I I can't. It It was really cute. He did say, so he said he has his own name, referring to this baby spoiler, Yoda. We got the picture right there he has his own name and he so this is a he and he is very interesting and very knowledgeable and very cute Mm -hmm. this is apollo creed talking Uh, i never use that word but he is a cute little guy 
uh, the species age differently, perhaps it could live many centuries. Weathers pointed out that also you have to see this show to figure out who this baby Yoda really is and what the hell he's all about, or even if he is really a baby Yoda. Fascinating comment stuff. Yeah. Fascinating stuff yeah. here. I, I do think it's the thing that really pops out to me here is that he's very knowledgeable. This looks like a five month old, but we know it's a 50 year old, which is what's really fascinating. Uh, obviously, you know, Yoda, he was 900 years old when he was training Luke. So this species absolutely ages differently, maybe slower. But the fact that this baby is so knowledgeable, I'm curious how that's going to be displayed this season. I'm really curious, too. And I keep reading a bunch of theories and people trying to understand the time at which this baby Yoda is 50 and uh, with the timeline between Yoda and Yadel. <laughs> Who yeah, is, so people are thinking, could it have been possible, even though he was, he obviously practices a religion which Jedi aren't supposed to be in relationships. So Did Yoda mess around? I don't know. Sounds <laughs> messy. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm not sure, but really, it's an in- interesting comment. And you'd, I think if you're not in the Star Wars universe and you're not a fan like us, you'd be like, what the heck is Carl Weathers talking about a cute baby Yoda? And why are these comments so important but it is important in terms that it plays into the rest of the season do you think baby yoda will be a main point for the mandalorian or do you think it will be kind of one of the touching points i think it's going to be a touching point i think that at the end of the episode where he doesn't execute this baby yoda that was him saying you know obviously he has a soul he 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 was given different orders too. IG eleven was told to execute. He was told to bring it in alive or execute it. So I think it's going to play a big role in maybe him bringing this back to the rightful caretaker or owner or maybe a certain land. But uh, I for some reason I just don't have a feeling that this is going to last the entire season. I think this might just be a jumping off point to other realms. Yeah, I think because of the time at which the Mandalorian takes place. They can't have a character that has a massive effect on the galaxy necessarily Mm. without it not affecting any of the films. Ooh, that's fascinating. I mean, the whole idea if Yoda did do or do not... someone else <laughs> people in the chat okay, are that giving was their amazing that was pretty amazing yeah. Manny Gonzalez says Yoda maybe had his own Yodette interesting <laughs> I was gonna ask Ryan and I want to ask you guys in the chat since Yoda doesn't have a species name that we know of which is surprising for Star Wars because Star Wars as we talk about in our character corner has such in-depth history on each character each right. species each uh, planet so it is interesting that Yoda one of the most important characters ever right. doesn't have a species if you could name a Yoda species. Yeah, what, what do you would you, th- what would you name that species? What is the species name? Uh, also, another comment from the chat. I so to saying the Mandalorians have a code where they do not kill children. That's very fascinating because technically you could say this isn't a child because it's 50 years old. That's true. It does appear to be a child, though. So it's a big semantic thing, but that's a great point from the chat there. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens episode two, which is dropping... Tomorrow, late tonight, we'll see. I feel like only a droid could have tried (laughs) to kill something that looked like that. Exactly. Something with no emotional connection on that level. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, chapter two drops hopefully tonight. I want want 11 p.m. again. Hit me at 11. Friday is hard. 3 a.m. Come on. What else we got, Steph? So, 
Um, this is McClunky. (laughs) Moving on to the important (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Thank you so much. Disney Plus dropped this week, and with it came two scenes that have one of which McClunky with Han Solo has been in high debate for years because there's been multiple edits on this scene, and it plays into what the heroism of right. Did he Han. shoot first? Did he shoot first? What do you think about them continuously changing it? Do you think it's that important? Well, I mean, I, th- I actually never thought it was that important until I talked to someone about it where they argued, hey, so in the original release of A New Hope, Han gets stopped by Greedo, and Greedo's like, you owe me money, and Han just shoots him yeah. first. Yeah. Showing that he's a scoundrel. He's not necessarily a good guy. And at the end of the movie, he kind of redeems himself. Now, George Lucas, upon a re-release, edited that so that his head shifted to the right, He and then actually Greedo shot first, making him not a scoundrel, and that he's kind of retaliating to Greedo's shot. So it actually makes, it, it's, it does say something about his character, because one, he's just a scoundrel, and then that makes the ending of the film really impactful, and that he's made a he's made a, a unique choice, he's changed as a character, and now he's fighting with the rebellion. Um, whereas, if he's already a good guy, then the ending isn't that effective. So I do believe in this argument, yes, Han did shoot first. I think this is so weird that on Disney Plus they add a new part of that scene where right before Greedo now shoots first, he shouts the word McClunky. I'm sorry, what? That word has never been uttered in Star Wars. What a weird thing to add. So random. I need to know the meaning. Like You don't just add this type of lingo and it <laughs> not mean anything. I, those types of edits cost money, yes. time, resources, drama. <laughs> I need to know what McClunky means. What does it mean? <laughs> so now it might just be a, he might be a swear word in Star Wars. If, if so, I'm taking it. Because I, I, I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of emotion behind it. McClunky. That's McClunky. It, it sounds offensive. That's horse McClunky. <laughs> it's horse McClunky. <laughs> it's just such a big choice to make. I mean, I know it sounds small, but for our listeners, like Steph said, this kind of decision is... You know, this is the biggest film franchise of all time. Ever. You know that if you're going to add something, it is going to be deliberately scrutinized on many a podcast, including ours. Mm. So it it has to mean something because otherwise, the FAQ, you (laughs) know. McClunky? Yeah. It's so random. Why one other? Yeah. Or are you going to finish your thoughts oh, no, on no, no, the other, the other Yeah, scene. I want to hear about another rare deleted scene on Disney Plus. Right. So what's so cool is all these movies you can just go on Disney Plus and there's an extras button and it has all these deleted scenes and you know a bunch of them are well known deleted scenes mm-hmm. from the films that have been online but there are a few that were pretty rare that you couldn't just fine unless you had maybe like a deluxe DVD package or a VHS package. There's this one from Return of the Jedi. It's with this commander named Commander Jerrod. He doesn't get a lot of screen time, but he's in the film Return of the None Jedi. None of the commanders do until last. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. <laughs> but uh, but this guy, so they actually filmed extra scenes with him and he was given this weird moral quandary on the Battle of Endor where they're, you know, in the space, they're taking out the Death Star uh-huh. and he was told by the Emperor if the Rebels take out our shield, blow up Endor. And he's like, but wait, we have like so many battalions on there. We have so many of our own troops. He's like, do it. Take out Endor. So he's faced with this weird choice in the movie. And they, of course, took these scenes out where after the uh, the shields are, dro- are dropped, he has to make a decision on like, okay, should we start firing, start powering up to take out Endor and like kill a bunch of our own guys or the moon? 
Um, it was really kind of fascinating, and you got to see a little behind the scenes. They're not fully edited. It's a lot of the raw footage and sound, and you know, there's some green screens up, uh, and he's just kind of looking out into the distance. It was really cool peek behind the curtain and a, an awesome deleted scene where, wow, they really did have a bigger storyline for this kind of lesser-known commander, Commander Jared. But uh, you guys can check that out, Disney Plus, Return of the Jedi Extras. Straight up, Disney Plus I feel like is existing for Star Wars fans. They it for the money that you pay monthly and what you get. Mm. Each movie costs twenty dollars. You can't rent them anywhere. I mean, they're some of them are available on different streaming sites, but you can't. They're not available on Prime for free. Like nothing. So even just having the movies available, then you have every single Star Wars show that's been oh. created, animated series. It's and then you have deleted scenes. They don't need to do that, but they, they did it. It's incredible, <laughs> and I- we're here for. We are so here for it. There's another one that Jeff has up right now. This is from A New Hope. Uh, This one you could probably find online uh, if you don't have Disney+. Plus. But it's basically, there's all this talk of Luke and A New Hope. Like, I'm going to Tashi Station to get some power converters. There's a deleted scene where he goes with one of his friends to Tashi Station to get the power converters. I'm glad they deleted (laughs) Yeah, it's it's totally pointless. Some of the Luke dialogues are so funny. (laughs) In A New Hope, yeah. They're they're pretty. Yeah, A New Hope is. They're pretty complaining. But you can also check that one out for A New Hope Extras. Gotta love that hat wow. that's a fisherman's hat right there yeah yeah <laughs> that's great yeah it's great awesome right thank you so moving on to rise of skywalker news our dear beloved jj abrams gave us some insight on to kind of his mindset going into this new film and he said that um actually the last jedi director ryan johnson is the one who reminded him that he's able to be more free and less stressed in a sense and he said he told total total film film that on this one i let myself be at least in the way i was approaching the thing freer and um i was adhering to a kind of approach in the past film he was speaking about that felt right for star wars in my head it was about finding a visual language like shooting on locations and doing practical things as much as possible and we continue that in um in the in Rise of, Sky- oh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. In Rise of Sky- Skywalker. And sorry, I lost my quote. All but I good. also found myself, here it is, but I also found myself doing things that I'm not sure I would have been as daring to do on the force of force awakens ryan helped remind me that that's why we're here on these movies not to do something that you've seen before so Mm. i love that ryan is being not i mean he could be bitter instead he's being like a director friend which seemed this is the second time in this week that we're hearing star wars directors be friends and kind of more collaborative because it is i feel like once you're in the family you're in the family i know pete ryan ryan johnson has a lot of heat on his back but he's still in the star wars fam absolutely and we were talking uh i think last week or a few weeks ago if ryan johnson was still gonna get his trilogy because you know the last jedi was such a divisive film (laughs) a lot of star wars fans didn't like it it's just it's just a fact a lot of people weren't into it i personally love it we personally really like it but um it didn't land for a lot of people and i think that's because you know force awakens was criticized a little bit for being too much like the original star wars last jedi was criticized for being so different they went for it in so many different areas amongst other things there's a there's a it was like the ikea of star wars it was it was was very modern it was all over the it was a lot of new stuff which i really was into and i think a lot of people were kind of curious if J.J. was going to maybe retcon a lot of the stuff that Ryan Johnson introduced in The Last Jedi because, you know, at the end of Force Awakens, Ray hands off that lightsaber and the beginning of The Last Jedi, he throws it away. Like, there are some ideas that J.J. was clearly prepping that Ryan just 
turn the other way on. Yeah. So I was kind of curious to see how totally. JJ would react to to making this new film. And you could say, hey, maybe these comments are a little uh, him just being kind to the previous director. But he got pretty specific in this quote. And I think when you're saying stuff like, man, Ryan Johnson's film inspired me to be more freer, to take more risks, that's not just praising, you know, oh, politeness to the director before you. He's specifically saying, yeah, I loosened up a little bit more on this one. I am I'm not trying to just make Return of the Jedi. I'm going to do my own thing. And yeah. I think that's really cool because J.J. Abrams, he's such a talented director. And the first, I love Force Awakens, but it does, the one criticism that everyone has of it is it's so similar. Yeah, to I, I love J.J. Abrams. And I think this is a really powerful quote for multiple reasons. And I think that we know J.J. Abrams is kind of like if we were to create a Star Wars film. Mm. He's been a ride or die since, since he was a kid. Since day so, one. Since day one. So it was a ton of pressure for him. He probably felt in a sense that he needed to have a similar storyline. Like when you have that amount of pressure and need to please the fans, which you are also one yourself, I could definitely see how The Force Awakens happened like right. that. And I'm glad that he's having this sort of realization because I think that this could be the best one. And linking to Last Jedi. Like yes. saying that, hey, I know some people didn't love it. But guess what? Ryan Johnson reminded me of what these movies are, mm-hmm. like to take risks, to go for it. I, I got really excited reading me this Me too. Well, that just excites me because I just think that all creative projects are so much better when the people creating it feel free to do what they do best. And when we're they're trying to adhere to the fans, that's awesome. Like, um, I, We've seen it happen on Twitter a few times with what, what's that? Um, the, the blue ca- character that the, they redid the animation for. Oh, Sonic. Sonic. <laughs> that just totally went by. <laughs> but I think that sometimes we are right. Like, Sonic looked like absolute trash, and they changed it <laughs> thanks to Twitter. But with Star Wars, they can't listen too much because we are we have so many differing opinions. Hmm. We are a very needy fan base. True. But we will. I, I, I just think that we're going to be happier with him feeling freer. Yeah. Hey, take off the chains. This is JJ Unchained. Okay. Django. Django. Yeah, there's yeah, Sonic. Yeah, there, there. So the, <laughs> the to the left is Force Awakens, and to the right is Rise See, I don't know Skywalker. if it's fair. Force Awakens wasn't kidding. bad. I love Force Awakens. I love Force Awakens. I love Ray, which is our next story, Daisy Ridley. <laughs> That's how you pivot. I absolutely love. I loved Force Awakens as yes. a young that's female JJ Jedi myself. I needed Force to that. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. in directing Rise of Skywalker. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So moving on, uh, some news from our girl, Daisy Ridley. She was talk- just glowing about how this mm. has been her most enjoyable filming experience. And I just wanted to read some of her quote. She said, it's the first time I filmed more confident because I feel like there was nothing else I could have done. This was to an... an, an interview with marie uh claire and she said the third one for me was the best it's a big film for everyone i did all the emotions i did frowns i did smiles it was the sort of biggest breath and i think that's also why i had such a good time because i got to do so much 
S-H-I-T. Like, Ooh. physically, emotionally, and I got to work with so many people. There was a scene that touched me a lot. It was our last day shooting in Jordan, and the natural light was fading, and it was so exciting. It was just a short scene. We filmed very fast, but the crew was shaken in a way that I had not seen before. And I thought, my God, if this is people's immediate reaction when the scene isn't even ready, imagine what it will be like in the movies. What is that scene, What's Steph? the scene? What is the scene in Jordan? <laughs> that <laughs> makes me think and that she's not going to be on the dark side. <laughs> Yo. I mean we've seen we've seen footage in the trailer. I know. But yet such an amazing quote. I mean this builds on what we were just kind of saying. JJ felt freer. I think this movie, I'm so excited. It sounds like everyone had an incredible time just hearing that Daisy Ridley this was her best filming experience. The vibe on set that I mean JJ Abrams is such a great director and apparently everyone loves him. But um did this to hear that this was her favorite filming experience, that's so cool. And I I mean I don't take those comments lightly. I, I really do I. I do listen to that and I'm just so intrigued by the scene that shot on Jordan. And it was a it sounded like they just kind of shot it. It maybe not have been a planned scene. They said that they did it quickly. Natural light was fading. I'm like, what is this scene? I am so excited. It's so fascinating. I, I know. And I, I it's just so good to hear because I think the worst things that have happened in the Star Wars realm for the past few years is when we hear the drama behind the scenes. It's mm. just like, this is such an amazing story. Why is the experience of making it bad sometimes like, right. with Solo and things like that? Like, I just want to hear good things like this. Just hear good things. I think Jordan is where they shot a lot of Jakku. So, <laughs> maybe what? they're going back to Jakku. I'm here for that. I'm here for it. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and I mean Daisy Ridley, she's just the best. And I can't say enough good things about her. Can't say enough good things. So I, I just think it's really cool when you have your stars who are obviously they're all in, but really excited and being as vocal about the film this early, which I don't remember for the past two movies. I think a lot of it was always shrouded in secrecy. The cast didn't say anything to anyone except for like maybe two or three weeks before the movie. We're like over a month out and yeah, she's already like praising the film and talking about how much fun she had. I'm I couldn't be more excited. Me too. And I think that's a smart <laughs> marketing oh, yeah. plan too because I I do think it's good to go in silence. A lot of times we saw it with Game of Thrones and you just like it's hard when you're interviewing cuz a lot of people want to set you up to give spoilers and that does suck cuz we want spoilers but it's not as fun of an experience when you know everything that's going to happen. But you can be vocal about stuff like this and I'm glad she is because it just makes me more excited. It makes me more excited too. And I I hope we get to hear other members of cast uh, talk about how excited they are. I feel like the next couple of weeks, we're not going to get as many stories like this because it's going to be all Mandalorian, right? Everyone's excited for Mandalorian. We have Star Wars content from now till the release of The Rise of Skywalker. So, yeah, I mean, I I hope we get to hear more about it. I think that's only going to help generate the buzz. Um, and yeah, I just it's it's great to hear that she had an awesome time. Me, I agree. So finally, we have video game news. I know you pre-ordered a Jedi Fallen Order. Fallen Order. It comes out yes. Friday tomorrow. And yeah, tomorrow. And it seems really exciting. It takes place before the events of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and it reportedly reveals the origins of the dark side's massive weapon. Right. So wowzers! I love when they do this. I love when they integrate storylines and new characters and um, history into different segments 
segments of mediums. their creation. Yeah, yeah, mediums, exactly. So what are you most looking forward to in the game? Well, what, and what's great is it's not the origin of the Death Star. It's the origin of Starkiller Base, which is 30 years later from there in Force Awakens. Yeah, so, and massive. Massive. God. <laughs> I know, really big. That's like every time the dark side pulls out their weapons, I just think, how? 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 But then we'll it makes me wonder: how. Are they compensating for something? Ah, ah my <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this game—it's—it's it's really exciting because you know there have been a lot of awesome Star Wars video games over the past couple of years, but ever since uh, Lucasfilm, sorry, Lucas Arts, uh, their, their video game station kind of went out of business, got bought out. It's gone to EA, and for EA, we've gotten the Battlefront games, which I are kind of the Battlefront. They're fun, yeah, yeah. They're, they're fun. They're, they're not anything mind blowing, but right. they're so fun to just play around on. It depends. I think yeah, it depends on the fan. Like I love video games that put me in a movie, that make me feel like I'm in the world, and that's what those games do for me. Totally, you're so, one of the characters. Exactly, and there was a bit of a campaign storyline in the second one mm-hmm. where they had uh, this uh, a character. Played by, I think it's Janina Gavankar. She's a great actress. But it followed, it, it it's also took place in a similar time period to this. It was kind of right after A New Hope, and she was part of this Inferno squad. But anyway, it was a cool campaign, cool story. This is the first Star Wars video game we're getting since these new batch of films that actually has a really fascinating narrative and a, and a really cool campaign. I couldn't be more excited. We're following a new Jedi going across the galaxy, um, Cal Kestis. Mm-hmm. Cal Kestis. Kestis, a Padawan, and he survived Order 66, and it, it looks like a really cool kind of RPG game where it's a little bit more open world. There's not just like one set mission by mission. You're going, you can kind of go to different planets and do all the missions there. There's no exact order to things. You kind of pick your own path. And what's cool is that those are what the voice actors look like right the main characters obviously not the pros the (laughs) (laughs) other species (laughs) other species yeah um but yeah i think that's all i i just think as an actor that'd be freaking awesome to see yourself just like being in a game but looking i mean it's like 2k but star wars exactly (laughs) and it's a whole new story which is what's so cool and i think we're gonna get to a bunch of new planets and just experiencing a new Star Wars campaign, which we haven't gotten in a while. So this is a big game. It's pretty expensive. There's a lot going into it, and it's How dropping much is tomorrow. It? How much is it? I think it's around sixty dollars uh, for if like you go to Best that's Buy or anything. That's more than two K, I think. That's more than two K, but I think well, it's very much worth it. I galaxy. pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it for fifty nine ninety nine, I believe. So you got a dollar off? Uh, yeah, I guess cent <laughs> off. I mean, there was still tax, so. Probably more. <laughs> McClunky. That sounds like McClunky to me, but I would buy it too. But really exciting. I mean, it it's just more mythology to the Star Wars canon, more stories to be told, and it's on a video game format. They just haven't had a game like this yet. So I think it's going to be really interesting to hear the reception. For those gamers out there, I hear a lot of comparisons to the game Dark Souls. And oh, that's really? Similar, yeah, it's similar to that. Huh. So that. I'm really curious to see how it goes and if it uh, grabs your attention right away. The one big criticism of those Battlefront games, 
as amazing as they look and as fun as they are, I think after a while, it, there's an arcade factor. Oh, totally. But it might get a little repetitive and yeah. you die a little easily. So I'm curious to see how this It's not gets like reception. a start to, you're not getting really anything out of it other than just being in the universe of it. Exactly. So Here's what I'll say, though. I'm a gamer a little bit, and uh, Dark Souls yeah. is a great game, but very, very challenging. Kind of like notoriously challenging. Like difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a like a high skill ceiling. Wow. Do you know if that's going to be a component to this? That's new what game? I've heard. I've actually heard it's very difficult, <laughs> and uh, and that people, you know, if you just start on the hard mode, I've heard people play that for a few minutes, get a little frustrated, and have turned down the difficulty. I don't know what they've changed. That that, that was reviews that came out two or three weeks ago, so they might have changed something since then. But that's interesting to hear you say that, Jeff, because that totally falls in line with what I've been reading, and that Dark Souls is super difficult. So this game might be really hard. Well, we'll just see tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm excited to hear what you and another producer at our studio, I'm sure Vito's going to... Vito's got to be playing Vito's got to be playing it. Yeah. So we will definitely get some insight on that. And if you guys are playing it, please let us know. And also, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, hit that like button. Leave us a comment after this video ends so we can keep the conversation going. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us those five stars. Leave us a review there because we love to talk on any platform with you guys because there's not enough time to talk about Star Wars in just this new show. That's right. You're our co-pilots. That's true. So punch it. <laughs> so punch a comment. Punch that like button. Punch that like button, baby. Okay, should we get into <laughs> our special segment? I think we should. Let's start with... There's a theory. Here we go. Putting on the Poindexter glasses. Um, all right. Well, the first theory. All right. We'll start off with this. There is a theory. Dun, dun, dun. That Anakin Skywalker, little Annie, is in Rise of Skywalker. What? Whoa. Right? Now, let's back this up. So Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader, perished at the end of Return of the Jedi. He was a Force ghost. At the end. Yeah. So this theory outlines, all right, if we know the Emperor's back, what if Darth Vader is back in some form, shape, or whatever? Because we know Anakin had turned at the end. Yeah, we got an awesome image up right there. He, he's to the left, obviously. Um, he's to the left there. This theory kind of outlines just all these possibilities of that. If, if Palpatine could save others from death, he could save himself. And that might be why Palpatine's back. We could also get... Hayden Christensen to come back in a force type of way. We see we've seen a lot of unique elements to the force in these new movies. In Last Jedi, we saw Yoda as a force ghost send a lightning bolt into that Jedi temple and light it on fire. Like the powers of a force ghost are kind of unknown. I would think it'd be really cool and quite poetic. And that George Lucas has said all along, this is Anakin's story, Darth Vader's story from all nine films. We haven't had much mention of Vader in these in these new new trilogies so I what if chills. hayden christensen came back force ghost anakin ah! to deliver some kind of information in the final battle with ray and maybe palpatine i think that'd be really special whoa mind blown whoa you know like darth vader is my favorite villain of all time one of my favorite characters guy. of all time he's my guy anakin skywalker Lo i loved anakin skywalker i, I love the movies he was featured in before he turned to the dark side and i would be just ecstatic i'm curious in what for like what would be his mission would it work would it work also we do see in one of the trailers that were released that uh darth vader's mask gets destroyed even just more than it was dismantled 
told yeah, they just, mess it up yeah i mean it's basically blown up so <laughs> i don't know if that's symbolic as well maybe that's what he needed to come out <laughs> right i mean i'm just curious what uh, the fans think so comment below if you're down for hayden christensen to come back in episode nine in some way shape or form i'm a little pessimistic about it it all depends how it yeah just is how if he just pops in uh, in a montage, I think that'd be cool. But if he has a major role and they haven't really been leading up to that, it might feel a little out of place. I would, I mean, it would be pretty insane to see a conversation or some sort of interaction between him and Ray because I think what they're teeing up Ray to have going on in this la- final movie is a conflict, which mm. obviously is where Anakin went wrong because he chose the wrong side of the conflict. You're right. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your theory. For You're welcome. That theory. that theory. And moving on, we have our character corner because like we've been teasing throughout the episode, Star Wars gives us so much history. Each character, even if they're in a frame of a movie, has a rich, rich history behind it. So who's who's on deck today, right? Who's on deck? This is actually a character that didn't even have a frame oh, wow. in a movie, <laughs> but his name was mentioned so many times in Attack of the Clones, and that is Master Siphodius. Do you remember this name, Steph? Mm. Master Sifo-Dyas yes. in Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to Kamino and he's like, I'm finding, I'm trying to find this bounty hunter, Jango Fett. And like, well, your clone army's ready. What clone army? Oh, Master sifo ordered yes. the clone army. We should have a soundbite, Jeff, uh, of this. You turn it up a little, Jeff? There we go. That his order will be met on time. I'm sorry, it's Master... Jedi Master Cypher Diaz is still a leading member of the Jedi. And he's like, Council. he's dead. Is he not? Master Cypher Diaz was killed almost 10 years ago. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh. oh. So awkward. It's awkward. I've yeah. been building this for him. This he doesn't ran. want it anymore. <laughs> but they take it, I which know. is what's interesting. And in the movies, they never really hearken back to that character. They're like, this Jedi Master must have ordered this clone army, and they took it. And used it, but the guy who ordered it died. This is good, Rye. In the Clone Wars, for all those who haven't seen the Clone Wars, they <laughs> answer this big mystery, and they actually bring this character back. So I'm just going to read this real quick. Uh, first of all, Sifo-Dyas believed the galaxy would soon be plunged into war way before the Clone Wars. So he, in like he was kind of planning ahead. He ordered this clone army for their defense, and after all these other Jedi Masters rejected it, he just kind of went out on his own, which was sort of him maybe even leaning a little bit towards the dark side, which is quite fascinating. After he died, uh, Obi-Wan went to the planet, found out that this army was ordered, and the Jedi Order kind of changed their mind. They said, yeah, we actually do need this clone army, and it ended up working in their favor until Order 66. (laughs) So, in the Clone Wars, uh, they go to they, they go to find out where Sifo-Dyas had died. It turns out he had been in a wreckage and they never saw a body. And they send uh, Master Plo Koon, Anakin, all these people there. And, and then you find out that uh, this Lord Tyrannus, who was actually Count Dooku, was kind of behind the whole thing. And he yes, had lured Sifo-Dyas in to order them for this long game of that eventual Order 66. So that was the character corner for today. That was the story of Master Sifo-Dyas. Wow. I'm not going to lie. Master Sifo-Dyas sounds like an STD. <laughs> Sifo-Dyas. I have Sifo-Dyas. Have... Yeah. Listen. It's been Sifo-Dyas. a rough go. Um, no, Ooh. really interesting because that is a pivotal moment in a movie that decided 
the rest of what happened. <laughs> right. Here's all these clone war troopers. We're not going to say, yeah, they got them. But they answered it in that TV show. So I implore y'all, now that you have Disney+, Plus, go to that final season of Clone Wars. And it's in those final five episodes. Amazing. Check it out. Our final segment, Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom, let it be. So this comes from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Strike me down and I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Just gives me chills for so many reasons because this is so applicable to our everyday lives because we are constantly getting bs thrown at us and bad things happen but you should always fight back and become better than you were before and i think that anytime obi-wan was had a conflict he came back stronger even though he was quiet he was fierce Mm, silent but deadly exactly and if he got knocked down he got up again he did he (laughs) did never keep him down he did he did Uh Great, great, great photo. Great Thanks there, for Jeff. the meme. Yeah, uh, that's an awesome word of wisdom. So for everyone out there, if you get knocked down. Get back up again. Get back up. Gosh. Well, Rye, what a week. Should we get out of here? We should get out of here. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you guys for watching us at home. In the meantime, Rye, where can our Star Wars fam keep up with you? You can find me at on Twitter at Rye Nilsen, R-Y-N-I-L-S-E-N, and on Instagram at Ryan Nilsen underscore. A few shout outs from the chat. Again, Manny Gonzalez, Pocket Rocket, Pocket Rocket Raccoon, Ivan Soto, um, Jesse Janney. Uh, da, 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 Chris Clark, and oh my god, there's one more I saw in here. Oh, yeah, Laura Nilsson's in the chat. Laura! Laura Nilsson's in the chat. Shout out to Laura Nilsson. Ashante! Ashante. It is my honor. It's our honor. And oh, obviously, Brandon Stounsky, Realtor, and Rody Stark, 23. Thank you all so much. Please like this video, comment, subscribe. Steph, where can they find you? I'm Steph Sabra. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Steph Sabra. And until next week, may the force be with you and Rye. Chewie, get us out of here. Our producers, Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. I'm coming.